Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. Our series on the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, we've been talking about uh, the fruit of the Spirit. We've been talking about the evidence of the Spirit of God in our life because God has called us. If you and I have said yes to Jesus, if we've said yes to the salvation that God has given us, then God has called us to a place. God has called us to a point where we live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Um, And what the word means in that is that we live according to the word of God and his standards, not according to the world and its standards. Uh, Because all of us are born into sin. We know that from Romans chapter 3, verse number 23. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, So we, we were all born into the same situation. We were all born into the same circumstance in that we were born into sin, separated from God. And it's only through Jesus Christ that we experience the salvation, the redemption that God has given us. But when we are saved, the Bible talks about those who have been born again. And basically what that means is that we have a new life in Christ. We talked about that at the end of last week's message in 1 Peter Uh, in that last scripture that I shared, uh, but we talked about the new life that we have in Christ. God has called us out of darkness into light. So there's a new revelation, there's a new understanding in our life because we're no longer of this world. We've been called out of the world. We've been called out of darkness into the light. So there's a new life at work within us. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in us. What Paul is talking about in Galatians 5, 16 through 26 is the revelation of the spirit of God in our lives. And so it's the evidence of God's spirit. So we talked about love. We talked about joy, peace. We talked about patience. How many of you were tried in that? Amen. We talked about kindness last week. And the next thing that we're going to talk about is the goodness of God. But I want, to, uh, I, want to, I want to pause that this morning for just a moment to share with you what the Lord has been sharing with me and what has been stirring uh, on my heart. Because I believe as the church and as the body of Christ, uh, God has called us and God has positioned us for such a time as this, to be a light in the midst of darkness, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the representatives of the gospel, and to fulfill the great commission that God has given us. God has called every single one of us who have said yes to the Lord to preach the good news. To preach the good news. Tell your neighbor, I've got good news. Well, until it's hot outside. Tell your neighbor, I've got good news. Amen. I've got good news. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. We have a hope and a future, even in hopeless situations, even when it seems the future is bleak, that can never perish, spoil, or fade, as the Word talks about in 1 Peter, that Jesus has made available to you and I because of what He's accomplished on the cross. We've got good news. Every morning that you and I wake up, we've got good news. Even when the bad news comes, even when it's not what we were expecting, even when it's the unexpected, we've got good news. And as carriers of this good news, charged with a great commission that Jesus has given us, he's called us to preach, to share the good news 
with all creation, to go into all parts of the world. And so we have a responsibility as witnesses of the gospel, as carriers of the, of the gospel, to represent Christ, to be the ambassadors that God has called us to be. So I want to, uh, I want to share this with you, what the Holy Spirit's been sharing with me over the last couple of days, um, especially since we, we experienced uh, or we, we received the news from the Supreme Court on the ruling of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And I want to share this with you because I want to, uh, I want to do something that I believe is very important, that I believe is very critical for us as the church and as the body of Christ. Uh, I'm going to preach a series coming up pretty soon called Hot Topics in Our Society Today. Um, and this isn't that. This isn't, I'm not starting a new series in the middle of our current series. Um, I'm just sharing with you the word uh, that the Lord put on my heart specifically for us today. Because I believe as a church, uh, there's a right way for us to respond uh, into what's happening in the world around us. And there's a wrong way that we can respond. Uh, and it's very important to remember that above all else, we are witnesses and ambassadors for the gospel. Uh, above all else, we're carriers of the gospel. And I believe that it's important that we are all reminded not only of that, but that we are also reminding one another and that we are also sharing with the next generation, with the future of the church, what the Word of God says. Uh, we can have a tendency in the church to at times try to protect the next generation uh, from what the Word of God says about certain things that are happening in our society and certain things that are taking place in the world around us, uh, that in our effort uh, to protect them and in our effort to try to be very careful about how we instruct them, we fail to give them any biblical instruction or revelation at all. Uh, and the Word of God is powerful and effective. Uh, the Word of God is very essential in how we respond and how we deal with the things of this world. Because when we were saved, God called us out of this world. The Word several times reminds us that we are aliens and strangers, that we are foreigners, because our citizenship is no longer associated with this world, but with heaven. And so how do I live as a child of God? How do I live as a believer and respond to the events and the situations that are happening today, but do that from the perspective of what the Word of God says and my responsibility as a believer uh, without ruining my witness? Because I can get caught up in my emotions and rob myself of the opportunity to be the light that God's called me to be. Um, and so I want, to, uh, I want to talk to you this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 because I believe uh, this goes right in line with what the Lord's been talking to us about the fruit of the Spirit. And I love uh, what Paul shares with the Corinthians uh, in this chapter. And I believe, uh, I believe it's going to uh, minister to all of us uh, this morning. But this is what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to do nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. As the church, we have to remember that we will never convince people by, by what, what we say. We will never convince people by what we say. We will only convince people by what we do. Well... Okay. <laughs> you feel the tension in the room? You feel it? 
Okay, good. All right, I'm glad I'm not alone. All right, so in verse number four, it says this, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And God, But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept these things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning as we turn to your word, God, in this uh, critical hour, in this critical time, that Lord, your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, that God, we would have revelation from you today, that Lord, we would hear from heaven today, that Lord, our thoughts and our attention, Lord, would be turned uh, towards heaven, that it would be turned towards you, that Holy Spirit, you would speak to each one of us and that you would reveal to us from your word what your word says, God, and how we as your church, how we as your people can walk according to the word, according to the spirit of God that is within us, not responding, Lord, based upon the, the emotions, not, not responding based upon uh, the current situations or the circumstances of the world, but Lord, according to what your word says, according to what your will is, accomplishing the plan and the purpose that you have established. Lord, we thank you today. We give you the glory, honor, and praise today, for you are worthy of it all. Have your way in this place, in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I want to talk to you this morning about walking in spiritual wisdom. Walking in spiritual wisdom. And I believe it's so, uh, so crucial that we, uh, uh, as people of God, walk in uh, the wisdom of the Spirit. That we live uh, by the Spirit as the Word of God talks about. Because if we don't, what happens is we ruin our witness with those that God has called us to. And so we're living in a day, we're living in an age, we're living in a time uh, where the enemy doing everything that he has always done and everything that he will continue to do until that final day where God officially uh, renders his judgment on the enemy. Uh, but in his limited time, he will do everything that he can to lie. He will do everything that he can to deceive. He will do everything that he can to disrupt, to divide, to destroy, because his attempts... Uh, in every situation, in every life, in the life of every individual, is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Jesus said. That's uh, my favorite verse. If you've been a part of CFA for any amount of time, most of you can probably quote it because of how many times that I've quoted it to you. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. 
and life more abundantly. Uh, God is all about life. He's all about the life that he's intended for us to have, not the life that the enemy intends for us to have or to experience or that the world has to offer, but that the life that God has intended for us to have, the life that God has offered. And so as the church, as believers, living in the day and the age that we are, where the enemy is doing everything that he possibly can uh, to steal, kill, and destroy, as the church, we have the responsibility to stand firm, as Ephesians chapter 6 talks about, with the full armor of God, to stand firm on what God's word has said and what God's word has established, and to pray, to believe, and to fulfill the instructions and the directions and the decrees that God has given us. Because in the enemy's attempts to steal, kill, and destroy, God has met that through the, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So as his church and as believers, God has called us to walk with the wisdom of the Spirit. Paul was a very wise man. He was a very wise man. Uh, he, he knew all about the laws of God. He knew all about the word of God that, that had been written up into that point in time. He was very skilled. He was very educated. Um, he had a great deal of knowledge. He had a great deal of understanding. But the thing that I love about 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is that when he, when he writes this letter to them, he says, I did not come to you with wise and persuasive words. I came to you with what? A demonstration of the Spirit's power. God has called us as the church not to be a people that just speak, but to be a people who live, who walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the Spirit of God. To use the wisdom and to use the discernment that God has given us to respond in different situations, in different circumstances, in different moments of time with the revelation and with the truth that God has given us. To not only be champions of life, and to believe for the revelation and the truth of God's word, but to also be the ones who carry out and fulfill the will of God and accomplish the will of God as he's established for us to on this earth. So there's a couple of really awesome revelations in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and there's a couple of other scriptures that I want to use in this, but as we look at this as a whole, as the church and as the body of Christ, we have to understand a couple of things, and the first one is this, our battle is spiritual. Our battle is spiritual. Tell your neighbor, it's spiritual. We have got to, as the church, to stop trying to fight natural battles that are truly spiritual battles. Because people in this world will not understand what you and I are talking about. Because as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the world doesn't get it. The world doesn't get it. They don't understand. The world does not understand What's being said, the world doesn't understand the place that we're coming from. Why? Because they haven't had the same revelation that you and I have had about the love and the life of Jesus. Because what happens when you and I step out of darkness into light is that we're able to see, right? You ever been in a pitch black room and then somebody turns the light on? One, at first, it's almost blinding. I mean, look at, look at Paul's own encounter, right? He was Saul. He meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. The light's so bright, he's blinded for days until the Holy Spirit comes and God opens his eyes. And what happens? He's able to see. He's able to preach. He's able to carry out and to fulfill what God has said and what God has called. Hear me today. When God gives you and I a revelation of what truth is and of what's right, it doesn't mean that he's always told us to speak. James chapter 1 says what? To listen, to be quick to listen, to be slow to speak, right? Why? Because there's something that happens in the revelation of the Spirit of God when you and I are slow to open our mouths and quick to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. 
Because we have to understand as the church and as the body of Christ, God has not called us to fight the spiritual battles of this world with merely natural responses, but with the Spirit of God that He's given us. Because what we are facing and what we are dealing with is with the powers and the principalities of darkness that are at work. So when you and I experience victories as the body of Christ, things that we have been praying about and things that we have been praying for, we cannot become frustrated and we cannot become retaliatory with people who have not yet had the same revelation and the same encounter that God has given us because their fight isn't spiritual, it's natural. All they're seeing it from is the perspective in which they have without the full revelation of who Christ is. But when we step into relationship with God, into the revelation of the Spirit of God in our lives, the Lord opens our eyes and we begin to see things. It's why the Lord is so clear on the instructions that He gives us as the church and as the body of Christ on the importance of prayer, on the importance of living by the Spirit, living according to the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Something happens when you and I as the church recognize that our battle is not natural, it's spiritual. Because we begin not speaking to people and to problems with a natural perspective, but we begin praying by the power of the Spirit. Strongholds fall... The enemy is defeated when the church prays. Strongholds fall, and the enemy is defeated when the church prays. Our responsibility as the church and as the body of Christ is to understand that our fight is, is with the enemy. Our fight, our struggle, is not against flesh and blood, but it's against people. So when you and I begin to take the natural things that are happening in our world, and we begin to respond the same way as the world does to those situations, without the spiritual wisdom, without the walking in the wisdom of the Spirit, without experiencing the revelation that God has for us, we begin, we begin doing extreme damage to the witness that God has given us because we're speaking from a natural perspective, not from the revelation of the Spirit of God. Hear me today. God is a God of truth. God is a God of justice. God is a God of righteousness. He's holy. There is nothing that changes that. There is nothing that changes that. But understand that God has also given you and I a mission to preach the gospel and to preach the good news of heaven. And how we deliver that is essential. Because if we are not walking in that delivery and the same love that Christ came, then we will rob ourselves of the witness that God has given us and that God has established for us as the church and as the body of Christ. And here's the deal. The enemy wants to take what the world is defining and how the world is responding to the situations and the circumstances of our life and immediately wants to twist that in every way that he can to ultimately do as much damage as he can to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. The biggest thing that the enemy wants to do is to divide and do everything that he can to position people against one another and to do whatever he can to rob the church of the witness that God has given us and what God has established for us as the body of Christ. My, my battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. It doesn't just apply to the hot topic issues of the day. It also applies to every area of my life. 
to the issues that my family are dealing with, to the issues that those that I love are dealing with, to the issues, to the circumstances, to the situations, to the things that are unfolding that are happening in my life. If I'm taking the approach from a natural perspective, I am robbing myself of the greatest asset that God has given me, which is his Holy Spirit. It's the reason that Jesus was so effective in his ministry, because he didn't move from a natural perspective. He moved from a spiritual one. He spoke what the Spirit revealed. He did what the Father revealed. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. So the response, the reaction that we're called to as believers, that we're called to as the church, is one that realizes that our battle, our fight, is not natural, it's spiritual, it's supernatural. So we begin responding according to what the Word of God says, according to the revelation, and according to the truth of what God has given us, walking in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit walking in the truth and the nature that God has established for us. I love this in Matthew chapter 10, verse number 16. He said, Jesus said this, he said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Um, There is a wisdom that God gives you and I that he calls us to have, but a gentleness that he also expects of us. Uh, Jesus was wise enough to recognize and to see the events and the circumstances of things that were happening and things that were unfolding, but able to respond to them in a truly different way. God has called you and I to respond in love. Respond in love. Tell your neighbor, respond in love. The wisdom of the Spirit calls us to respond in love. If we are responding the same way the rest of the world is responding, what sets us apart from the world? As the church and as the body of Christ, God calls us to respond in love. And the love of God is agape. The love of God is unconditional. So when we understand that, one, our battle is not natural, it's supernatural, and when we understand that God has called us to love, he says what? To love God first with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is to love our neighbor as ourselves. What happens then is that God positions us to a place to walk in the love of God and the wisdom of God and the revelation of the Holy Spirit helps us to see things not only as the Holy Spirit has revealed them to us, but also from the Spirit's revelation of the perspective of those that are around us, of those that are living not in the revelation of who God is, but in the understanding and the perspective of what the world sees and what the world views. So as the church, as the body of Christ, what is perceived by our actions, our attitudes, our statements, our our reactions to events that are happening, the things that are taking place, it's very critical for us to remember that God has established us as his witnesses and as his ambassadors, and what we say and do makes a difference. Because ultimately, God has called us to love. The love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God reaches into the depths, reaches deep down into into the middle of all the chaos, all the confusion, all the uncertainty, all the deception, all the lies of the enemy, and calls us out. Jesus came in the middle of our sin, in the middle of our mess, in the middle of all the uncertainty in our lives, and he called us out. It was because of love and his reaction and his response. We see how Jesus approaches us, right? We see how Jesus approaches us. Jesus doesn't come in and declare damnation for all. Jesus says, John 3.16 says it, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son. God loved the world so much that he didn't just send his Son, but he also established his church. He gave them of his Spirit and established us in this day and this hour to say, You know what? God loves you. 
Not only does God love you, but I love you. Not with my love, not with the world's definition of love, not with the world's standard, not with the world's understanding of love, but with the love of God that is unconditional, a love that knows no limit, a love that knows no bound, because there is a hope and there is a peace and there is a joy and there is a freedom and there is a light that is not, mu- that is not mired by all of the mess and by all of the, all of the deceptions and all of the distractions of the enemy and of this world, but a place where you can truly have freedom, where you can truly truly have life, where you can truly experience the glory and the goodness of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, where you can experience life the way that God has intended, life the way that God has established. The enemy wants to do whatever he can to ruin our witness so that instead of walking in the wisdom of the Spirit and by the power of the Holy Spirit and with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit, we hinder ourselves even further from being the people that God has called, being the people that God has established to be his light in this world. So we respond in the love of Christ. We respond in the truth and in the love that God has offered, that God has established. And what happens in that moment is that we open the door for the Lord to do miraculous and wondrous things. My prayer for our church has always been that the spirit and the presence of God would be the most noticeable thing about this place. And I'm thankful for the reports and for many that have shared with me through the years that have come to CFA, that have come, that have been a part of CFA, that one of the very first things they share with me is, you, you know that the presence of God is in this place. You feel the presence of God. You sense the presence of God. You feel the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if the Spirit of God is present, that is where transformation happens in our lives. And all of us need transformation. Tell your neighbor, you're not perfect. <laughs> humbling, isn't it? Especially those people that are really close to you that are sitting there next to you. You're not perfect, right? You don't have it all together. Here's the deal. The people that are closest to you know just how much you don't have it together, right? That's why some of you, that jab was a little harder than it would have been, you know, <laughs> than it would have been from somebody that doesn't know you as well, right? Why? Because here's the, here's the, here's the crazy thing about love is that the love of God that God calls us to, that God establishes us, opens the door for us to not be seen in our current state, but for who God has called and created us to be. The love of God is not what he sees just in our current state, but who he has called and created us to be. The reason that Jesus came was because God knew what he was intending when he created you and I. God knew what the original intention was, and the original intention was fellowship with us. God's favorite thing to do is to walk with you and I through life. How many of you like to take a walk? How many of you like to walk? My wife does too. I need to walk more. I try to walk. I try to walk even when I don't want to walk because she likes to walk. You know, when you're married, it's good to do things that your spouse likes to do that even you don't like to do because it's in those moments that you bond together. It's what creates intimacy in your life. It's what shows the love of God in our life. Love is about serving one another. Debbie, being able, y'all know a little thing about that after 60 years, don't you? Congratulations, by the way. We're so excited for y'all. That's amazing. 60 years? Isn't that awesome? Um, if Rihanna and I make it to 60 years, we're going to be really, really old. I'll be 90. I hope heaven, I hope Jesus comes back before then. So, um, <laughs> man, so um, 
I mean, we're young. We're young. Anyways, all right. So um, I got I got sidetracked. The the love of God, that, and that's the amazing thing about love. Love doesn't see us for the momentary moments. That's the problem with love. Okay, uh, of today because we we the love of the world is so conditional and it, and it's based on the moment. And if I don't feel the love, then then I'm out. I'm checking out. And I'm so glad that God's not that way with us. God's love isn't conditional like that. It's not like, well, you're good today, so I love you today. Well, you're bad today, so I hate you, burning fire. You know, um, <laughs> that is how the world. That is a lot of the times. That's our impression before we come to know Christ. That is our impression of God. That God hates everything that's good, everything, everything that's fun in the world's standards and the world's viewpoint, and that the second that you mess up and the second that you don't have it all right, then God's going to throw you away. That's not how the love of God works. And it's not the love that he's called for you and I to experience every single day. And that's the beautiful thing about the love of God is that it calls us to a higher place. It calls us to a deeper place because the more time that we spend with God, the more time that we spend in his presence, the more we become like him because we're transformed into his likeness. Um, so the more time that we spend walking in the love of God and we realize the impact that the love of God has, it affects our responses because we see things from a different perspective when we're dealing with people, um, especially those who aren't in fellowship, who aren't in relationship with God. Do not expect someone who is not in fellowship or relationship with God to understand what you and I are talking about when we're talking about spiritual things. The issue of abortion in this country... Really, all of the issues that, are, that, are, that create that conflict, especially, especially within uh, the church, with, with the world, between the world and between the church, is that so many times uh, the enemy wants to pit those two together so that he can get a reaction out of people who are in the church. Because if he can get people in the church to react the same way that people who aren't in the church, who haven't yet said yes to the love of God and stepped into fellowship with Christ, then it ruins the witness of the church and the ability for the church to respond not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Because God calls us to live according to the Spirit. So when we respond in kind, then we ruin the witness that God has given us, that God has called us to have, especially in these critical hours, especially in these critical moments. For an unsaved person, for someone who's not in a relationship with God, or for someone who has walked away from their relationship with God, usually because of offense or usually because of hurt, especially in the church. Because the church is a great place for offense to happen. Right? We've got a lot of formerly offended church members that have left the church because of offense. And what happens as offense is that it opens the door for bitterness in our lives and opens the door for the enemy to begin to operate in deception again in our hearts and begins to blind us with that. So what happens in that moment is that when we have someone who's outside of the church, who's outside of, uh, of that fellowship or that relationship with God, and they begin, they begin responding to what's taking place or what's happening in the world, in the church, when we begin responding in the same way and in the same right and not out of the love of God and not seeing them, not for where they currently are, but for where God has called them to be, we ruin the revelations from the Holy Spirit of how to respond when confronted, how to respond when asked in those moments to lead that person 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, by a demonstration of the Spirit's power into the revelation of Christ and who he is in that moment. Because for a lot of people, especially those who have never been saved, on issues like abortion, uh, like the LGBTQ+, like all of these other different things, that in the Word of God, as believers who have a revelation with Christ and understand where those things fall in the Word, for an unbeliever, they don't understand how we can have such a perspective that we have Oftentimes, their perspective has been distorted by someone who's responded not according to the wisdom of the Spirit, but according to the wisdom of the flesh, or from someone who was formerly a part of the church, but has stepped out because of offense, because of bitterness at heart. And so what happens is the enemy begins twisting, and then the enemy begins deceiving. And as believers, and those who are walking according to the Spirit, who are walking according not to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, when we respond, what happens when we respond according to the Spirit and out of the love of God, is we see that person not for where they are today, but for where God is calling them to. And there are two different ways, there, there are two different ways to respond. There are those who are non-believers, those who, are not, who have not said yes to the love of God, who are not in fellowship with the Lord. There is a specific way that God has called you and I as the church to respond to them. And then there are those who are believers who have given in to the deception of the enemy. And there's another way that God has called you and I to respond to them. And none of them are on social media. Tell your neighbor, put the phone down. Put it down. Stop it. You are not going to have a, a meaningful life-changing conversation with anyone on social media. I don't care if you're talking about abortion, LGBTQ+. I don't care if you're talking about dating somebody, talking to somebody, being friends with somebody. There is no meaningful communication and conversation that happens over any kind of social platforms, FaceTime, any of it. None of it. Face-to-face encounter. It's the way that God created us. There's something that happens about when someone says something to me via text versus when somebody says something to me face to face. There's a difference that happens there. Because what's happening in that moment is that there are no barriers in that communication. And the platforms and the means of communication that we have today have greatly done a disservice to how we communicate and how we're able to have conversations with one another. And it's very hard, it's very hard for there to be a demonstration of the Spirit's power via message. There can be. And there are times that you must respond via that way. Hear me. There are times that is the exception to the rule. But the rule is, stay off of that. Because the enemy through those moments will, will play on your emotions to get you and I to respond in a way that robs us of the witness and robs us of the wisdom of God. Have you, ever, have you ever experienced failing to walk in the wisdom of the Lord? Anybody, you ever done that? You know what God said do and you know what his word said do and you're like, okay, Lord, but just this one time. And you know, he's, <laughs> he is a good father. He is a good heavenly father because he, he, he knows and he says, okay, <laughs> all right, you know. And we learn the hard way that, wow, I really should have just done that the way that the Lord told me to do it and not my way. Um, and we learn those lessons again and again, and it's part of our process of transformation. But the same is true. God, 
God loves you and I so much that he leads us in that journey and that in his love and his relationship with us, within us, he brings us to that truth. And so when it comes to, uh, when it comes to those who um, are for something that the word of God uh, says that we shouldn't be for, understanding how we respond to those people has to be not only with the wisdom that comes from the Lord, the spiritual wisdom of God, uh, but we have to understand that our battle is, is spiritual, it's not physical, and that our response is love, not hate. And what happens as we open the door for that is that we position ourselves to experience uh, the, the, revela- the revelation and the transformation of God in the lives of those that he's called us to. So there are moments and there are times where the Lord will give you and I an opportunity to speak or the Lord will give you and I an opportunity to share. But how we speak and how we share is very critical and it's very important in whether or not we do further damage to what the enemy's already done in his attempts to steal, kill, and destroy or whether or not we bring life and bring those into a revelation of who God is and who Christ has called us to be in every situation and every circumstance. So because here's the deal. For the person who doesn't know Jesus, until they have a revelation of who God is in their life, uh, they, won't, they will not understand what you and I are saying. For the person who has walked away from their relationship with the Lord, who probably somewhere at some point experienced great hurt uh, or great injustice in their life, uh, either in the church or by the church, and for whatever reason there's that offense that is there, the enemy is doing whatever he can uh, to keep them uh, from ever stepping foot back into the fellowship of believers. Um, because if he can keep them isolated, he can keep them in the constant state of deception that he intends for them to have and do whatever damage he can to further the gospel, to further the mission that God has given us to share the good news with the world. So what happens, though, when you and I walk in the spiritual wisdom that God's given us, when we realize our battles are not physical, they're spiritual, and when we respond in love, as God has called us to, is that we open the door for the Holy Spirit to do His thing. Man, isn't it cool when God does His thing? Isn't it awesome when the Holy Spirit does His thing? Because what happens in that moment is that we've positioned ourselves uh, to be a vessel that God will use uh, in that process, that we get to witness that, that moment, that we get to witness that part where in praying for that individual, and loving that individual, and having an open door to be able to have conversations with that individual, it opens the way for the Holy Spirit to do what only He can, to heal, to save, to ultimately transform, uh, where there's a true change and where there's a true difference that begins to happen, where there's a true transformation that begins to take place. Because then, then the, the, re- the realization, the revelation for the individual that, that is in that state or that is in that place is that it's no longer based upon human wisdom, but on a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And because the Holy Spirit did it, because God did it, tell your neighbor, when God does it, it's good. When God does it, it's good. And so God, God gives us very clear instructions and God gives us very clear details to pray and to walk in the revelation and the truth that the Holy Spirit has given us and to position ourselves for the revelation of what God has. Because what happens in that moment is that God begins to do what only He can do. And God begins to move. Now hear me, there are moments and there are times where God strategically positions and God strategically calls us uh, to places, uh, to people, to situations that, are, that directly affect those things. 
But we have to understand what God has called us to do and what God has said and, and to make sure that that has been filtered through the revelation of his word, through the revelation of his Holy Spirit, so that we don't open ourselves up to an assault from the enemy that would further bring the deception, that would further bring the destruction. Here's the deal. If you've got someone in your life uh, who's a non-believer, one of the biggest things that you can do in, in this season, in this hour, in this moment, is to pray for them. Um, and not don't, don't, pray, <laughs> don't pray, God, open their eyes. Lord, how, how, pray that God would bless them. Pray the love of God on them. Pray the blessings of God. Pray the goodness of God. Pray the, pray the love of God over them. Because here's the deal. When you and I experience the love of God, what do you say to that? What do you say to that? When the love of God and the goodness of God and the joy of God, it opens our eyes and it, and it breaks down all of those defenses. It softens our hearts. When it comes to a fellow believer who has stepped away from what the Word of God has said, and who has stepped into that place, pray for them. Pray the love of God and the presence of God. Pray the healing of the Lord. Pray that God would open their eyes. And here's the deal. If God calls you to an individual, especially a, a fellow believer, if God calls you to go, if God calls you to have a conversation with that individual, go in the love of the Lord and in the power and the revelation of the Holy Spirit and only say what the Spirit says to say. Um. Because there are moments and there are times, especially for believers, you've been walking with Jesus, you've been walking with the Lord uh, for many years, um, you, you become elders within the church as spiritual mothers, as spiritual fathers, and there comes a point and there comes a time where the Holy Spirit will lead you to have a conversation with a believer who is of the next generation when there's something that's out of balance in their life. Um, those aren't ever fun. But they're necessary, and it really has to do with the goodness of who God is. Uh, the great thing about the Lord is that when we step out of what God has called us to, He will always call us back to that place. In love, He will always bring that correction. He will always bring that discipline. And the reason for that is to save us from the hurt and the heartache that the rest of it has, that, the, that, that our decisions and the consequences of that have. But there are moments and there are those times where God does call us as believers, for God does call us as the church to have those conversations. Uh, but it's very important that that comes directly from the Lord, that that comes directly according to the Word of God, and that when we do, we understand that it's not about us trying to do anything. It's about us being obedient to what God's Word has said. And then we, we do what God tells us to do, and then we, we trust the Lord with the rest. Because there's times where God will call you and I to confront, and that person will not receive what you have to say. And, you know, I think the biggest problem that we have in, in America today within the church and, and when it comes to these issues and when it comes to these problems is that we take all of them so personally. Um, it's not, this isn't about you. These things aren't about you and me. It's about the Lord. And it's about the Word of God. And when God calls us to those moments and have those tough conversations and those hard conversations, He opens the door for people to experience the love and the revelation and the freedom that he's established for them. But when people reject that, don't take that personally. Know that you've been obedient. How many times did Paul go somewhere to preach the gospel and he preached the truth and he preached the word of God and he did so in love with a demonstration of the Spirit's power and what happened? He was rejected. Usually he was persecuted, he was beaten, he was thrown out, right? Uh, it did not stop him, though, 
from operating in the love and the grace and the truth of what God has established. Um, and then ultimately and finally, in responding and according to the Spirit's power and in the wisdom and the revelation of God, we have to know that in doing so, uh, there, there are moments where God has called us to, to truly um, to truly pray, to truly fast, to truly to believe for, and to see incredible things happen. Uh, when it comes to the issue of Roe v. Wade in America especially, uh, and the overturning of that, um, there is, there's a two-folded response as the church and as the body of Christ according to the wisdom and the Spirit of God. Number one, uh, the reason why our spirit man rejoices is because um, since 1973, there have been over 60 million lives that have, uh, that have been lost. And the result of that change of that law will greatly lessen that number, will greatly lessen that impact. God is a God of life. God is a God of life, and God's very clear about life and the impact of that. And I'm, I'm going to share a verse on that in just a second. But the second folded response of that is that as the church, God has also called us to be his hands and feet and to respond in this hour and to respond in this moment to those in the world um, who are hurting, who are frustrated, who are angry, who are confused, and who will have very serious and very real needs that God will uh, that I believe God will meet as the church, as we as the body of Christ step up in this moment. Uh, in James chapter 1, we talk in that same verse about uh, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. God calls us to action. Spiritual wisdom, God calls us to action. So in this moment, not only does God call us to pray in the impacts and the effects that this has in our country, but God calls us to do something. And I believe one of the biggest things is partnering with the many different ministries and organizations that we have all along as a church, but also personally asking the Lord, God, how do I respond in this moment and how do I respond in this hour to be the hands and feet of Jesus, uh, to be the love of God, um, and to, to continue to be the champion of life that you've called me to be, uh, to believe for not only uh, the, the lives that uh, are unborn that God has saved, but for the mother's um, even the fathers, those that are, in, that are directly impacted and they're directly affected as a result of this because God has called you and I here for such a time as this. And so we respond according to the Word of God, according to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going uh, to close this morning uh, with this. Uh, in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 15, it says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made perfect in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. We celebrate what happened uh, this past Friday, not because of the natural... Uh, revelations of that, but because of the spiritual. Um, and again, it's why my battle is not natural, it's spiritual. And we respond in the love that God has given us and with the responsibility uh, that God has called us to. Um, and I love this. Austin, you can come. I'm, I'm closing, I promise. Uh, but in James chapter 1, um, under that same section of, of listening uh, and doing. He says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, uh, 
slow to speak and slow to become angry, for a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. He says if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight ring on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Uh, in the Greek, that word uh, orphans means the loveless. Um, and the loveless in the Greek means those who can give you nothing in return. As the church, God has called us in our mission to be about taking the good news and the gospel of heaven to every person that we can and understanding that it's not about what we get in return for that, but it's about fulfilling the mission and the mandate that God has called us to. And in this hour and in this moment, I believe that God has called us as the church and as the body of Christ to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to respond in this hour and this moment. So I challenge you today. I challenge you to do two things. I challenge you to truly pray. Pray. And when you pray, give thanks to God for this natural realization as a result of spiritual prayers and battles that have been fought in spiritual places and, and celebrate in those moments of prayer the life that God has, has given and, and the effect that that's going to have on this country as a whole. And then secondly, in that prayer time, pray for those who are lost and pray for those who walked away in their relationship with the Lord for revelations from the Holy Spirit on what God has said. And thirdly, pray that as the church and as the body of Christ, that we will be faithful in responding and listening to the Holy Spirit and responding and how we can minister and how we can respond in every hour and every moment to meet people right where they are and the needs that they have with the true unconditional agape love of God and that the Spirit of God would be poured out in this nation, that it would be poured out around this earth, and that every lost soul would come to the revelation and to the knowledge of our great God who is so full of love and who has offered us this incredible, incredible salvation. And then secondly, be very quick to listen and very slow to speak. Very quick to listen and very slow to speak. Rejoice in the goodness of God and what he's done but walk in the humility and the meekness and the goodness that God has established for us so that we can continue to see the strongholds of the enemy broken and the freedom and the salvation and the goodness of God poured out on the earth. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me share my heart with you today and what I believe that God um, has given given me to uh, to share with you today in this hour in this moment. Uh, we have a responsibility as the body of Christ and as the church to stand true on the Word of God, but to walk in the wisdom that the Spirit of God has given us and in the power of the Holy Spirit um, to see the sick healed, to see the bound set free, to see the dead raised for the glory of His name.
that his kingdom would come and his will would be done.